listeners and Batman fans everywhere. We're back. It's another episode of I Am The Night. And this week we're looking at the episode Prophecy of Doom. Another one which I'm sure Adam will describe as... An off-beaten, unexpected side story. Not one you'd expect from great great and grand supervillains, but a key detective story. Absolutely, key detective story. And a lovely character piece, because like you say, um, we get an episode with another unheard-of villain, played by a surprisingly unheard-of actor. And uh, Prophecy of Doom is the... 19th episode of the show and the 17th episode of our show and features the villain known as Nostromos. Of course, a little aping on the great quote-unquote fortune teller and prophet oracle Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. Did, was Nostradamus actually a person? I know he existed historically yes, yes, he and he exist. made predictions, but were the predictions any good? <laughs> it depends on who translated them and how they prophesied. Uh, many people believe, yes, he was extremely accurate, but hey, we're all still here, so let's move on. Yes, I have some people on the internet that I talk to very regularly that quite actively believes that the world end in 2012 and we're in the aftermath, but that's a dark thing to look at. With what we could say is doom foretold, we had to wonder about whether or not this mad soothsayer was actually on the money with these ones in this interesting episode. I'm, I'm more of the uh, Rorschach school of the world ending. Um, the world ended yesterday. No, it didn't. You sure? Uh, that's <laughs> that's more the way I look at it. But uh, really clever baddie, and uh, slightly foreshadowing next week's episode where we get an actor and a special effects wizard um, pulling the strings literally um, <laughs> to make this guy appear as an all-powerful prophet, and uh, obviously hoodwinking the rich and the famous of Gotham, including Bruce at his bumbling best being lord in. And uh, it, it's just great acting from um, Kevin Conroy and his uh, 2D self, I think. It's uh, showing the many faces that a person needs to be Batman. I... He made it seem very convincing, I would have to say, to be drawn in by the cult personality that this Nostromus was putting on. I don't think he was like as sold, but it looked like he almost was, as I would say so. Oh, Bruce was. Um, but Bruce, as we all know, is uh, Batman's plaything, especially in this episode. It's never been more clear um, the differences between the two characters. And honestly, again, the writing is just... Terrific. Um, Dennis Marks and Sean Catherine Derrick, again, veterans of the show already, and director Frank Power have given us another episode that's lovely to look at, but quirky and different. I mean, the whole opening scene with the casino boat going down, I don't know if you realise that the first four or five minutes of this episode had no dialogue whatsoever. Not only no dialogue, we didn't really see clearly any key characters let alone any faces mm-hmm. only until when we saw that mysterious bomb below decks yes. and the ship start to sink only then did we see the faces of the panicked crowd we just saw people from glimpses we saw people at a distance we saw the whole atmosphere they were trying to get across in this casino boat party that everyone was lording it over gambling and having a good time until suddenly things went very skewer very quickly but we knew that it wasn't a natural disaster because when we think 
big grand cruise ship like that with very well-to-do rich people having a good time we think of the titanic yes absolutely and we know that it's no one person's fault it was a natural disaster when an iceberg collided with the with the craft here we saw a natural bit of sabotage Mm -hmm. we saw the ship came down because someone planted a bomb so we knew that there was something insidious afoot so that when we went into the next scene and we heard about this prophet this fortune teller who was able to accurately predict that the boat was going to come down we much like bruce wayne were just able to go oh maybe this guy is, maybe this guy could make a great stockbroker because we knew that there was someone pulling strings from immediately away but there's enough charisma in this character and this villain that we get drawn in and we can sort of move with him absolutely and another thing when you say that that bomb below deck i just thought that this episode was one of the most beautifully analog episodes in terms of the technology of everything from the wires, the bomb, uh, throwing literal spanner in the works. Literal spanner. A literal spanner in the works when they try to kill Bruce in the elevator, lift, whatever you want to call it. We've got British and American listeners, but hey, we are multicultural superheroes. The thing up, go down box. The thing up, go down box. Exactly that. Um, Beautiful analogue. And again, it's one of those things, we mention it time and again, that this series is timeless it can be set at any time we see his bat computer that talks his bat plane that talks and yet we still see spanners in the works uh born with an actual analog clock powering it it's just gorgeous i always remember that one scene at the beginning of fight club where bombs don't really take these days just sort of lightly hum yeah so most uh, baggage handlers when they feel a bag vibrating do they worry so but when you see like an old tiny ticking clock mm-hmm. on a bomb that's winding its way up to 12 is the only clear number on it yeah. like a detail <laughs> that they only really put on for the most old tiny of cartoons even though the attention to detail in this series wouldn't necessitate them putting on a whole clock face but that just harkened back to like the old version of these media which really makes it fit with something that's part of an older discourse like your classic Hannibal Bearers yes of a kind because that is the sort of bomb that those guys would have animated yeah. I've seen Wiley Coyote throw those things around Absolutely. they're classic and your Warner Brothers you get something that's so now so now in as a win of the 90s mm. but done with old timey techniques because even that opening scene because mm. we linger on that bit of the boat for maybe 20 seconds because it's quite feels quite long as we get that whole shot of the ocean moving under it and that's great better better jazz playing around us the actual boat is still in static like a matte painting yes an art that is the backgrounds that's yeah the background's moving an art that's sadly no longer with us in storytelling but that is how those old-timey 20s 30s 40s 50s cartoons were all made so it's a real recollection to something that isn't really done quite so much anymore, but it's still a nice thing to see in such new media by comparison. I completely agree with you. And it's nice that you say that the whole feel of the of the old bygone eras and the way this man who can sense the future prophecies a great fall at the great stock market crash of that bygone era and, and plans to lure his rich friends into um, giving them all his money so that he can save it away for a rainy day when the great fall approaches. It's just little things like that that tie in with real historical events and and 
literally, he's just a very clever thief and a con man. And uh, again, to an older slice of history that you really sort of got a feel for in this episode was the Titanic. A lot mm. of international yeah. cruise companies and steel workers and insurance companies. I think quite a few insurance companies went under to try and pay for all of the workers that contributed to it and that were the first people to sadly go when the actual ship fell. The whole manoeuvring of being able to capitalise on a disaster was what this particular villain, Mr. Strongest, was using pretty well and mm. yes, it's a nice thing, it's a nice angle to be able to go along. And even in a world like Batman's, even in a world where magic and monsters and mysteries are very real, it still shows that some of the biggest villains are just greedy men who know how to make it look like there's magic and monsters and mystery, but are just doing it to get ahead. And, and this show, since the beginning, and we've been watching it for, for a while now, um, has really shown that sometimes the greatest evil is just perpetrated by ordinary men fueled by greed and it's the very thing that batman is fighting against we've said it before he's not just the hero fighting the villain the monster the world beater he is protecting the little guy and obviously um ethan clark and lisa clark are friends of bruce wayne's and that's clear even though We've never heard of these characters before. We probably never see them again. You get that sense that these families know each other. So Ethan was possibly a friend of his parents. Whatever it is, he's obviously close to uh, Lisa. And clever writing, brilliant acting. You feel that. It's the quality of the direction. It goes yeah. from... It's because we, as viewers, went from right at the beginning of that episode. Because the episode is just framed so well from the start. Yeah. We go from that really unfamiliar scene because for you and I, I wonder what's going on. Yeah. From you and I, who's been watching this consistently again from the beginning, that opening scene, beautiful piece of like animation cinematography, didn't really feel like Batman. No, I was waiting for some sort of connection, some yep. sort of something to draw us back into this world that we know, so that when we got to that Gotham skyline and when we got to Bruce Wayne talking with these two guys, and then they link it back, we feel comforted by these yes. side characters. They draw us into why this is important. And then we care about these side characters because we know their stake in it and we know that we should care about them because Bruce Wayne does. It's brilliantly done. And they can do all of that. They can make us feel so much about side characters well in like under four minutes of screen time Yeah. when I know Hollywood blockbusters, award-winning blockbusters that don't get that kind of reaction for their side characters over the course of the whole movie. Yeah, I've seen TV shows and films where, honestly, the side characters I've largely forgotten about. But these characters worked. And like I said, very, very clever writing, brilliantly paced, and played well by actors who make the characters real and believable. Yeah, that's actual acting in the voice acting. And the real mirroring of just the approachable and well-rounded character design to the voices we get everything to make the story flow without them yeah just destroying us with heavy information dumped yeah. right at the beginning it's no super exposition there's no manga reams of talking and dialogue it's just clever writing and, and positioning of these characters we're really rewarded for going and knowing these worlds because i'll admit now that we're like a great swell of a way in this would be a strange one to start a video with, but it's really rewarding, I would say. 
it's 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 out it's out there. But I actually reckon that you could throw someone this episode, and they'd be hooked on the show. Yeah, because of how well made it is. Yeah, because you'd for some for a viewer like ourselves, someone who would appreciate the quality of the story and the quality of the craft behind that. Yeah, that's gone craft, into making the story. Good word. That, oh, there's absolute craft, and I want to talk about like some mm. visuals a little later. Yeah, um, we really get that they can tell a story without like forcing a story on us. It's totally all happening around us enough where we care enough about the characters to be involved, mm-hmm. but it feels organic enough so that they're not pushing it on us. Absolutely, which is a very it's, hard way to tell a story. It just flows. There's no shoehorning in or force feeding you with irrelevant bits of information for you to try and get what's happening that first two or three minutes where it's completely silent the panic the voices the bomb and you wonder what what actually is this and then you're rewarded with a conversation between bruce and two of his friends that explain it and linking it all back and, and you're in yeah you're in. literally within the first five minutes of the episode you're totally caught up it's brilliant it's also when it's showing that it's quote-unquote saturday morning cartoons paced like high budget cinema because you get huge intense high stakes danger peril that like markets up like cinema and DVD release certificates Mm -hmm. right there at the beginning of the episode and then you get the tension brought down when you have a nice punter conversation to explain what everyone was so panicked about it's honestly really powerful storytelling absolutely and watching this episode this is when I've got Almost no recollection of. I barely remember this one at all. I just do remember Nostromos, that visual, that character. I do recall having said that. I, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit because I almost went into it clean, mm. not knowing a thing. I'm more like in your position with this episode. I'm very grateful that I remember loving this show and I remember that it being particularly good media. This one story was, again, very fresh for me and it's nice to see that it was fresh for you mm. too I can understand why that villain was very clear in your mind he does great piece of character design great piece of character design because the actual character himself Carl something um, he went in with the intention of designing that whole soothsayer perspective because I look at because you know that look from like honestly Tom Hanks is big the yes <laughs> very good yeah the 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 unclear Eastern-esque origin, the swirly master-like beard, the beard, the ability to like rattle off huge, prophetic, long, flowery words to try and make himself sound more mystical. He did, he had went in with that look, and the the character designers knew they went in with that look and fed it into the character, which made him just so visually perfect for the kind of villain he needed to be. Absolutely, and and, and having said that, we, we really spoken that. This show still looks like nothing else on TV, but the voice casting. I mean, I, I went into this, and obviously, we do a bit of research. We look at the actors and the talents involved in the show, and the only person I recognise, obviously, apart from the obvious Kevin Conroy, was Heather Locklear. And your Heather. wonderful. There you go, go, on, go on. Heather be thy name. Heather be thy name. Um, obviously, you wouldn't remember her because you're much younger, but. When I was uh, growing up as a man in my teens and 20s, she was a, a, a focus of, of a lot of uh, teenage crushes, um, a rock star groupie and a, and a pretty well-known actress in her own right, star of TJ Hooker with uh, 
obviously Mr. Shatner. Yeah. And also Melrose Place, and she was well-known uh, actress. But um, again, what what stunned me is the casting of uh, her dad, William Wyndham. Um, Things as random and diverse as Escape from Planet of the Apes, the original To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, wow. And he was Commodore Decker in the original series of Star Trek, and that's an episode I remember well, and he was brilliant in that. But the one that's blown me away is Nostromus himself, played by um, Michael de Beers, who's almost British royalty. He's the 26th Marquis de Beers. And he was Murdoch, a regular character on the original MacGyver series, but also a very celebrated actor, musician, been in hundreds of TV shows and movies. He was in um, Ghoulies, Pink Cadillac with Clint Eastwood. He appeared in uh, Lois and Clark, Miami Vice. And what I didn't know is the depth of his musical talent. Um, back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a supergroup called The Power Station who were made up of some of the biggest bands, uh, Duran Duran and many others of the day. And their lead singer was Robert Plant, uh, Robert Palmer. And when he left the band, Michael DeBears took over as lead singer, and he's the one who performed their songs at Live Aid. Now, that is a slice of history, ladies and gentlemen. I was there. <laughs> so I've actually seen this guy perform live. And I do remember Power Station being really good. They were really, really good at that night. So perfect casting for a... British-type, villainous rogue, like you said, with a beard like the master from Doctor Who, <laughs> dressed in his long flowing gowns, a, a wizard, a flying prophesier of doom. So, brilliant casting and a brilliant performance. This show's got a remarkable talent of being able to... Dredge is kind of a not-nice word, but they have been able to dredge up some very unlikely names. God, unbelievable. And they've fit the characters that they've chosen for yes. so well that you really can't fault them for it, but it's just a, such a pleasant surprise. And I'm very grateful to see such remarkable talents put to put to screen like this in this unique way. And they've all done a really fantastic job. Well, I've always raved about it. You must have heard me throw around the name Andrea Romano a million times. And she's a woman I really want to meet because her casting, her voice direction on these episodes the people this show has got to play even like say the side characters and, and the one-off villains not even like superstars penguins jokers uh riddlers is just bonkers it really is they get such specific actors to be able to fit these roles and from what i understand uh visual acting and voice acting is just so starkly different like i've had my take at both mm -hmm. and they are very different because you need to be able to express yourself verbally with your own voice whereas you have somewhat of your own body to fall as a crutch on and they all do it with such key skill for these characters mm -hmm. that makes them fit so well and makes them feel so real so I really respect the quality of the voice acting and voice casting that's been done here totally the, the range of emotion and the fact that all you're getting from these people is their voice. And we've already said that in this one episode alone, in the space of a couple of sentences, a conversation at the beginning of the show, after the boat goes down, you know these characters. And these actors are just doing that with their voices. We know Kevin Conroy, of course, legend, but I've got to give kudos to every single person I've heard in this show. And like you said, they don't have a body language to look at or anything like that. It's just the voices, but... You said it earlier, and I do want to touch on it. The visuals of this episode were stunning. 
Are you thinking about the same ones I am? I definitely know that there's one key visual that I really want to talk about and like emphasize on. Other than the opening montage of the ship going across, I want to talk about the final confrontation. Yes. The final confrontation where it's almost reverse silhouettes, almost. Where it's just the clearly defined landscape of those catwalks that they're on, but the figures are black with white detailing. Yes. Which is such a huge And no colour whatsoever. No. It's such a huge visual sort of marker that I've never really seen done quite so well Mm. before, or since, technically. I would say that it's very much akin to, like, old-style Chinese two-dimensional puppetry. Yeah. Like Shadow Puppet. Spot on. Shadow Puppet. It's, like, such an old but still striking way to show dynamic action. I really want to... It's just really stuck with me. I couldn't agree with one. For someone like Batman... Mm. What could be more fitting than a fight that's literally like 2D black and white shadows? And his movement looks great. The way he... Again, what I love about this show is this isn't the indestructible. Batman is undefeatable. He takes a hit and he hits back twice as hard. And again, what I love about Batman, this show... Even these one-off little episodes, and I, I, I honestly don't think we ever hear of Nostromos again, prove the power of great writing combined with brilliant visuals and direction and some of the finest voice acting you'll ever hear. Plus, of course, the music. Again, we've got to talk about the, the score of the show. I'd argue it's still one of my favourite characters. Yep. The quality of the music, because... We get the party atmosphere before we even see mm-hmm. anyone drinking or talking or gambling on that boat. And there's always those great swells of danger and heroism whenever Batman's on the screen, whenever he's like up for it or down for the count, and whenever he's in deep thought. And there's always the sound design further, yes. going further when you get the eerie, quiet wind rustling and drips and the screeching of bats whenever in the back cave. Absolutely. They create such wonderful atmosphere and yeah. it's essential to be able to like make yourself feel like you're in part of whatever setting or situation they're all in. And, and the sound design, the things like the, the sound of his batarang being thrown, his, his grapple gun being fired. And what I loved, when you get that, like you said, the brilliant, jazzy, life-affirming music at the beginning of that show and then you get the horrific the boat's going down, people in terror screaming and running. You get that. Again, it's, it's brilliant storytelling with the music because there's no dialogue spoken. But you get the sense of vibrancy and people alive and enjoying themselves and dancing and gambling and singing. And and then, boom, it's excellent, excellent storytelling. It's honestly uh, so well done that I question whether or not current storytelling does it quite as well. I can't argue with that. Maybe this is a classic because did people give up? They saw this and thought that can't compete. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, it fits such a perfect moment in time that it just resonated with so many people at the right time based on the quality of the stories and the quality of Batman at that present. It was just before that point where we're at now where superhero media was everywhere because I don't know how well this would carry over if it was put out today. Mm. Do you think? Yeah. The more mature viewer and people with a good eye would still, I think, will still get a lot out of it. And, and we'll, we'll actually find that out because this week, 
I introduced this show to a very dear friend, if you're listening, Damien, yes, I am talking about you, wow. who's um, been sadly uh, having a bit of medical trouble and was hospitalised for a while and abroad. And I sent him some episodes of the show to listen to and thankfully he said they lifted him up and they got him so intrigued that he's now watching as a brand new viewer. So I'm jealous because he's getting into this show completely, even more than you, because you, you have memories of it because of who I am. Hmm. But he's going into it fresh. I think that's the most ideal way to do it. And we know Damien, we love him, he's a dear friend. He will get excited about a lot of things, but he's also very honest. So I'm very excited to hear what he has to say. Mr. Walker, comments please, rate and review, follow, like, and talk to us. Because I want to know your thoughts as a brand new, fresh Batman the Animated Series viewer. And that goes to every other pair of ears out there oh, in the yes. world. In the- Dark Wide Universe, we've been hearing quite a great many things. Uh, Some new, some returning fans, and I'm glad you're able to love it with us and go along with this ride with us as we look back on this great show. Absolutely. So, this episode, Prophecy of Doom. Any final takeaways, anything that's stuck in your head for you for this one? We get, after some of the more recent episodes where we saw some of the grandiosity of like the way the series started the grandiose nature of the mad science behind man bat and the mad science behind mr freeze and then the weird almost alchemical magic of poison ivy we get these kinds of stories which are still so prominent here at the beginning of the series where we get a stripped down grassroots maniacal villain doing Little extra sabotage just to get ahead, but it's still fairly mundane things. So we can really see that Batman is fighting all kinds of threats on all kinds of axes, and it's what makes him such a diverse hero that lends himself to so many different kinds of stories like this. And that just the shot of the elevator going down and him in the bat suit somehow going yeah. back up Love just shows that he's just that indestructible, reliable, un indomitable hero that we all love him for I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I, I again I love that bit because you think he's stuck in a lift but yes the back suit was there I mean he must be able to control his sweat glands better than any other human being on earth maybe that's his superpower because he clearly had that costume on and it was a magic little touch because you see Bruce Wayne go into the elevator but you see Batman fly out and it's that other little touch of magic, the way he does his vanishing acts. And again, that beautiful fight scene, that black and white fight with the henchman and the uh, special effects wizard uh, Lucas, the Stromos's uh, right-hand man. It was just another fun, 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 kick-ass, brilliant, different episode of Batman the Animated Series and that's exactly what we want and I'm glad that at every juncture this show has been so consistently strong consistently strong yep those are the words I'd use too so yes listeners thanks again for all your lovely comments Um, we're starting to hear back from the very first episodes and obviously from the most recent ones as well Heart of Ice went down extremely well one of the greatest episodes of the show without any doubt and uh, a lot of people saying thanks for pointing out all the Mark Hamill and (laughs) uh, 
Luke Skywalker references from Star Wars uh, that, that a lot of people didn't realise them as well, and it made them go and watch the episode again. Because um, it, yeah, they they got me unaware. So people, yeah, please talk to us. We want to hear from you, don't we, mate? We'll always have something to talk about. It's nice that we can actually make sure that there's actually a real conversation because it's very easy for you and I to just go on about how much we love this show, but it's important to know why people who aren't around this table can talk about why we love the show so much. And we will be getting other people on because they're getting more and more interested people who want to join us on a show or two. So look out, listeners. Um, soon we will have maybe a three or possibly even a four-man show coming up, but that'll depend on schedules and working internationally because we're recording in London, but a lot of our listeners are in the US and a couple in Australia and beyond. So... Watch this space for more voices on this show. So, having said that, where can the world and his mother hear your voice on Tinternet, my son? That's Internet. Well, you can find our writing on our dear love of uh, love and friend Batman on uh, darknightnews.com and dccomicsnews.com, where I view many titles at a month. Uh, you can also find our writing on my first and main platform, fantasticuniverses.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IzzetTinkra, I-Z-Z-E-T Tinkra. And you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash no ordinary heroes on a weekend playing with my dear young lady and our dear friends, the true love of my life, Dungeons and Dragons. And you, sir. Go on to any search engine of choice. Type in the words Steve, the letter J and the surname Ray, R-A-Y. And that will link you to... Dark Knight News and DC Comics News, which is where I do the majority of my internet damage. But also do a Google search for Fantastic Universes for our site, our baby. And you'll find many of the uh, Dark Knight News and DC Comics News guys on there too. Um, because we can talk about lots of other things other than just DC-related and Batman-related stuff. But obviously, Batman is my favourite hero. This is our show. This is I Am The Night, where we review Batman the Animated Series every week. But it's just one of three shows on the DC Comics News Network. You've also got the original DC Comics News podcast, a weekly show where we talk everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, video games, action figures. If you're into DC, that is the show to listen to every single week. If you want to get into comics and you don't quite know which ones to pick up, The Spinner Rack, hosted by Seth Singleton, is the second show on the DC Comics News podcast. Every week he picks his favourite five books of that week. And if you know how many books DC put out every week, that's a hell of a task. He reads them all, he rates them all, he reviews them all to give you the choice of where to spend your hard-earned cash and if you want to check those shows out go to the same page you pick this one up and you can get some brilliant candy for your ear holes and you can catch them on spotify google play stitcher everywhere else you find podcasts you can also get them on apple's pod uh, apple Podcast. Podcast, yes, thank you, Sam. That's all right. Uh, I totally tripped over my tongue there. La, 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 la. Get it back in. And both DC Comics News and Dark Knight News are available all across the internet and on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and across Tumblr and YouTube. So, this has been I Am the Night. Here's Adam Ray. Here's the Night. Together, we are the Night. And, Adam, there's something people should be doing read more comics. And watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Bye now.